0: Good morning. Good morning, this is the day the Lord has made, Let us rejoice
1: and, be glad in
0: it. and we're glad to see you here today. I would like to invite you, if you would, to take a moment to fill in the Red Ritual of Friendship Pad. We'd like to know that you're here with us today. <coughs> At this time, I'm going to invite, um, uh, who am I inviting up here this morning? <laughs> I'm uh, getting Kitty Soto uh, to come on up and uh, to share with us about an upcoming <laughs> event. Thank you, Kitty.
2: Here I am again. I'm here today to invite you all to join Team UMCWV, that's us, to participate in the Canal Valley Crop Walk. This year it will be held on Sunday, March 5th. I've been thinking a lot about walking. People walk for many different reasons. Some people walk to get some fresh air and enjoy the day. Some people walk regularly for exercise, for good health. Sometimes we just walk to get where we're going, to the store, to a friend's house. My granddaughter walks around and around just because she can. (laughs) Sometimes some of us choose to walk to make our feelings known on a certain issue, or we walk to support a cause. But today, many people all over the world are walking away from their homes. They are walking away because they are fleeing violence, or their homes have been destroyed by war or natural disaster. They may be walking away because of drought, famine, and hopeless poverty. They are walking despite great danger just to find what we all want. Safe homes, healthy food, clean water, education, and the opportunity for a better life. We are now in the middle of the greatest humanitarian crisis in the world since World War II. People all over the world are suffering. All the donations raised by the Canal Valley Crop Walk go to Church World Service. The United Methodist Church has had a long relationship relationship with this relief organization. From disaster relief in Moore, Oklahoma to sanitation projects in Vietnam, from refugee support in places like Texas and as far away as Indonesia, from women's empowerment projects in Kenya to healthcare in Haiti, from clean water projects in places like the country of Georgia or education projects in Serbia. Church World Service's mission is to care for those who are suffering in the world and also to empower them to be able to care for themselves. 25% of all funds raised by the Canal Valley CropWalk stay right here in our community Manna, Meals on Wheels, and Lutheran Social Services all receive funds from this walk. This walk is also a great opportunity for all ages. So gather your family and friends to also participate together and make a difference. The walk leaves from Cal Lutheran University at one o'clock on Sunday, March 5th. The original walk is six miles But if you can't handle that, there's a four and a half mile route. And if that's not something you're interested in doing, there's also a lovely 20 minute (laughs) guided stroll around the Cal Lutheran campus led by students. Um, If you can't participate on that day, pollings, (laughs) then we certainly hope that you will find a walker in the next few Sundays to sponsor for this important cause. Um, For the last three years since we joined the walk on Cal Lutheran campus, we have set the goal of having 50 walkers and raising at least $5,000. And I'm glad to say we've met that goal pretty close. Last year, Team UMCWV had 46 walkers and we raised $5,811. So that was really great. But this year, let's aim higher. Thousand Oaks United Methodist Church is still ahead of us by a lot. And the Presbyterians and the Lutherans are very, very close behind us. So let's get going. We can do it. When you come to the table during the month of uh, February to sign up, you get your envelope for donations. It even gives you directions if you want to get people to sign up for you online. It has all the directions on the walk and where it leaves from and how to participate. Yes, people walk. Oh, and don't forget, you get a special treat and a prize if you sign up. (laughs) People walk for many reasons. The Outreach and Social Concerns Committee hopes that this year you will choose to walk in the 39th Caneo Valley Crop Walk. We will show that here in the Caneo Valley, despite our many differences, we can come together as a community to help those who are hungry and living without hope, wherever they are in the world. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to do this. We are called to serve the least of these and to love one another as Jesus loves us. We hope that you'll consider participating and come see us at our table on the patio. Thank you.
1: This is the day
0: We invite you to stand as we join together in our Hymn of Celebration number 140, Great is Thy Faithfulness. As we come then to our time of prayers, may I invite you to turn in your hymn book to our prayer hymn, and that's going to be number 123, El Shaddai. Pray. Eternal God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to the foot of the throne of your grace, asking your blessing upon us today, asking that your spirit would simply rest upon your people. And in the joy of this day, in our singing and our fellowship and our prayers, in a wonderful baptism, we understand how precious it is the fellowship we have and the love we share amongst one another. And it is my solemn prayer, O Lord, this day that in the midst of the world in which there is so much conflict and so much division, both within our country and without, of wars and hunger and poverty, I pray, O Lord, that we might understand that our task in our own faith is that we might truly stand for something rather than to be always standing against something. And that we might find that when we call others' names, it does not reflect the love that you would ask us to call them as children of God. And so, O Lord, this morning I pray that we might be careful with our words, that we might be careful with how we understand others. And that on both sides of any issues that we face in our country and world today, that we might look at each other as human beings and might treat each other with that kind of respect and love. And so, O Lord, today I simply ask us to take a few moments of silence and to simply feel your presence here and to ask in our own hearts, O Lord, How may we be healers and peacemakers rather than those who make division? Help us, O God, to see each other as you see us. Those that are loved in the name of Jesus Christ are called in fellowship with each other. Take these next moments, O God, And I truly ask you to speak to our hearts. Thank you, O Lord, for a moment to help us understand that peace in our neighborhoods, our country, and our world always begins with us. And may the peace of Jesus Christ now be with us. For it is in his name that we pray his prayer, that he taught us that we might say as we pray, our Father, Amen.
3: May the ushers come forward as we receive our morning's gifts, ties, and offerings.
4: Listen and receive a reading from the word of God. Create in us a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within us, according to your grace and mercy. May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from 1 Chronicles 23, verses 1 through 6. When David was old and full of days, he made his son Solomon king over Israel. David assembled all the leaders of Israel and the priests and the Levites. The Levites, 30 years old and upward, were counted, and the total was 38,000. 24,000 of these, David said, shall have charge of the work in the house of the Lord. 6,000 shall be officers and judges, 4,000 gatekeepers, and 4,000 shall offer praises to the Lord with the instruments that I have made for praise. And David organized them in divisions corresponding to the sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. This is God's word to God's people.
3: May we pray. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise for the reading of your word, for a word that has spoken to hearts and lives throughout the centuries that continues to touch our heart and our life today. Allow us to have ears to hear, a heart to listen and receive your word, that our lives might be forever transformed, being in your presence through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Experts say that when children hit their adolescence years, there's three questions that they really struggle with or that they want to find out the answers to Who am I? Do I matter? And where do I belong? Now, having worked with youth for the better part of my adult life for 15 years before transitioning into other areas of ministry over these last five years, I thought I knew something about how to answer these questions. After all, spending time with youth, you can't help but address these questions. You see them come up, maybe not so obviously, where a youth is going to ask you, you know, do I matter? But you're gonna see it in their underlining attitudes, in the behaviors, in their choices of styles, in conversations, in countless other ways. In fact, trying to answer these questions are typically how uh, youth live out their lives. It drives everything that they do and how they live. But I'm coming to realize what many of you probably have already experienced if you've had teenagers or, or those who've made it through their teen years, as my daughter has uh, come to the end of her tween years, just turned 12, or coming to the end of her tween years, I realize I don't know nearly as much how to answer my own daughter. <laughs> but you know, I don't think that question, where do I belong, is really just a question for adolescents. You, know, and you might be wondering why am I talking about youth? It's not a youth question. It's a question that we all ask and we all wrestle with at various stages in our life. And it's a question that plagues us throughout our entire life. For example, the preteen or the teenager asks as they struggle to find their friendships, group, friendship groups. If you remember, in junior high and in high school, your friends sometimes will change and you have different friends to end than when you started. It's echoed by the 20-somethings who find it difficult to meet new people outside of a college setting. 30-somethings experience it as they realize that their friends are all doing things at a different rate. You know, married couples can no longer hang out with singles, and if you have kids, you can't hang out with kids who don't have kids, and you know, people get jobs and they move away, and all the transitions at that stage. 40-somethings struggle with self-care or socializing because you realize that a lot of your life is invested in your kids, and you don't always have a life of your own. 50-somethings try to figure out the season that they're in and wonder if their lives turned out the way that they had hoped that it would. Looking back, is this a life that I wanted? 60-somethings might search for meaning or wonder about their lasting accomplishments as they're getting replaced by younger or cheaper on the workforce, and as the new generations come up. 70-somethings,
1: (laughs) and... Be careful. careful. (laughs) That's right. (laughs)
3: With the exception of Gary, <laughs> 70-somethings are getting ready to enjoy retirement. They are going to have, uh, hopefully, a little bit of extra time on their hands. Although I heard retirement's a lot busier than, than not. But, <clears throat> but you begin to wonder or, or think, you know, where do I fit? You know, am I still useful as I once was, as I once used to be? 80-somethings begin to see their health decline or physical limitations, and they see that you're not as able to do that which you once could do. And 90-somethings, you belong right here in Westlake Village. You know? There is something about the water here because there's a, it's amazing how many individuals live into their late 90s. So I've already told Julia when she and I retire, we're moving back here at 75 because <laughs> I have 20 more years of life. But in reality, when we ask the question, where do I belong, I think that what we're really asking is where do I find my sense of belonging? Or where do I become a part of something bigger than myself? You know, the world isn't about you and it's not about me. It's bigger than us. But through that thing that we find and through that that seeking, ultimately we're looking to find a deeper connection made with individuals on on an intimate level. We want an intimacy with people. You know, think of a time where you have had that sense of belonging in a community or in a group of people. How did it feel? You know, I was sharing at the last couple services, one of my favorite memories here at the church in all the years I've been here. We used to, and I, I, she was here at the earlier service, but we had a youth who's now uh, grown and, and married. But when she was a youth, she used to come all throughout the week and take her shoes off and leave them in my office. And then she'd walk all over the campus barefoot. <laughs> And I would ask her, what are you doing? You know, why do you keep your shoes in my office and I walk around barefoot? And she'd say, it's a home away from home. You know, I just love to be here. Now, when you belong, you might have a sense of acceptance or camaraderie or the joy that comes with it. You share a common bond or a purpose with others in that group. You feel at home. And this is why Gary and I say all the time, welcome home to the most refreshing day of your week. That's what we hope for when you come. You know, you experience the blessings that come through those connections. If you've ever been in those deep relationships, you know you can share laughter and tears. You can share intimate moments and hard times together. You can build and form lasting bonds that have weathered the storms. I was just told, actually, right before the service, uh, the Usher team has been together for 25 years. And three out of four of them have had surgery on their knees. You know, talk about a bonding experience.
1: <laughs>
3: but conversely, when we experience social rejection, when we experience that lack of bonding, and we feel that we don't belong, that hurt can be similar to a physical pain. I was reading recently that when we, that when we um, experience this lack of longing or, or belonging, there's a portion of our brain that, quote, unquote, lights up. It's kind of like when we stub our toe and use colorful language. (laughs) When we feel the pain of rejection, when we feel that uh, inability to fit in, it creates within us that same response. We're wired for connection. We're wired for relationship. And we have an inherent need to be loved and to love and to belong. When we don't feel like we have a belonging, we feel sadness, anxiety, depression, loneliness. In fact, even as I was writing the sermon, God works in great ways, as I was writing the sermon, I received an email from an individual, and in that email addressed this exact issue, the 60-something-year-old who was struggling, has no family, feels like there's no place for this person. These emotions are real and shouldn't be underestimated because we have an innate desire and need to be part of something and to be connected to people. But what we need to learn and remember that I believe at our core, at the foundation of who we are, God alone offers to us our true place and our true sense of belonging, the place where we can connect on a deeper, more intimate level. You see, God continually calls to us and calls us to a deeper relationship in order that we might experience what a true sense of belonging feels like and what it's like. You know, take the passage this morning from 1 Chronicles. On the surface level, King David is in the latter days of his, of his kingship, of, uh, of uh, ruling the kingdom. And he's preparing for the next stage in his life, that next season, as he's going to pass the baton on to his son Solomon. So as David is getting older, he knew it's time to move over and give that, give that throne to his son. Maybe some of you can relate if you've recently retired or getting ready to retire you know you can understand what probably was going through David's mind so david assembled the leaders the judges the pre, or the priests and the levites those 30 years of age and older and he brought them together and made sure that each was given a task each was given a purpose to fulfill in order to be the community before god he wanted them to use their skills to be accepted and affirmed that they grow together and grow as a community so they were organized by family and by lineage, and that's that commonality. Some were given the task of the work of the temple. Some were called to be judges, officials, you know, keepers of the gate. David even assigned 4,000 as musicians. So I was thinking about a choir, are you up for another couple of thousand people?
1: <laughs>
3: How about the bells? We could have a few more. No. But below the surface level, there's much deeper happening. There's something greater that's happening. It's not about just King David setting these people up in positions. Rather, at this lower level, when you read more in the section of First Chronicles, it starts in chapter 21 and goes through 23 on 24. God's giving the Israelites a choice. You see, leading up to this passage and beyond this passage, God says, you have two choices before you. Which one will you take? Amen. I know it's hard to imagine, but when David was stepping down, there was some political turmoil. You know? Solomon was to be king, but there were others who wanted that power, and they wanted to be kings as well. And so God says to them, which choice are you going to make? Are you going to find your purpose in me and follow my desire, or are you going to follow your own desire? The first, the way of righteousness, the king of David's line, Solomon and on. And this way was marked by loyalty to God, obedience to the word, living rightly and righteously before God. (coughs) The other way which would be from the line of Ahab, was the line of death, destruction, exile. And we read about the exile in the scriptures. You know, for the Israelites, God, God wanted for them to decide where they would find their belonging. Would they turn to God or would they turn to stuff apart from God? If you think about it, it's a pretty tough question. Yet God was going to be faithful to God's promise to watch over the people of Israel if they continued to find their purpose in relationship to God. Remember the Mosaic Covenant? I will be your God, you will be my people if you keep my commandments, my covenant, my law. The decision was up to them to find their belonging in relationship and in covenant with God or to seek their belonging in idols, in military alliances, in things that weren't of God. Like the Israelites, I believe that we have a choice as well to find our belonging in God and enjoy the blessings that come from that, or we can find our sense of belonging apart from God. We can seek first his kingdom, or we can seek first our desires, do things that take us away from God. We can seek after personal gain rather than God's glory. We can move God down on our priority list as we move ourselves to the top. It's all about me not about we. If we choose apart from God, we might still have a great life. Sure, absolutely by societal standards, everything might be perfect if we choose a life apart from God. But I know for a fact that there's something missing, something that money alone can never buy. Material goods will never cover up that which is missing. Addictions will never solve it. You know, we have 13. I think it's 13 groups that meet here throughout the week. ACA, AA, you know, um, Al-Anon, and other groups that meet all throughout the week. We had a group a couple years ago of, of, and the group alone was elementary school parents at one school who wanted to rent Alton Hall. That's not the whole Caneo Valley. That's one school parents addicted to OxyContin. You know. There's, a, there's this thing, and you know, Gary, seen, I've seen it when we do memorials, and you talk to people, they always want to hold fast, a hope. You know, I know how my loved one was, but is there more? Is there there's something missing? And there's a piece of us that's missing because we want to fill that void with stuff instead of with God. And sometimes we try to fill it with other people, and we lose our own sense of identity. And maybe you've seen people like this who, if they're in a relationship, that relationship ends, they don't know who they are anymore or through stuff, or by keeping ourselves so busy that we can ignore that thing that's missing. We get so involved in stuff that we forget to look at what God's doing. Or we can choose to find our belonging based on that relationship with God. The life might not always be perfect. You know, I love it when people say, well, when you're a Christian, you know, life's gonna be great. No, life's gonna suck sometimes, stink sometimes, sorry. (laughs) Life's gonna stink sometimes. It got hot in here. Um, You're not gonna get a golden ticket you know, here's the lottery, go out and, wait. and life is still going to happen and there's going to be hurts and heartaches but the greatest thing is you remember, scripture tells us for I know the plans I have for you, to declares the Lord plans for what? to prosper you and not to harm you with a hope and a future you know, see the joy I believe of belonging in God and finding our foundation in God and building relationships from there we're welcomed into a family welcome home we're welcomed as sons and daughters, as beloved children of God. Welcome, brothers and sisters. We're invited to build an intimacy with people through our prayer and our fellowship. And I'm not talking about, oh, I'll pray for you. I'm talking about, let me hold your hand and pray. And I'm talking about, let me hear what's going on. You know, the choir, a perfect example, they're together Sunday mornings, Thursday nights to rehearse. They talk and they share. And if any of you are part of a small group or part of a group, you usually don't just go about your business. You share first. And you hear about one another's lives. That's fellowship. We come to understand our purpose as we get involved in ministry with, alongside of people, to be hands and feet and voice together. You know, this message is simple, and I have a simple question Where do you belong? Or better yet, where is your sense of belonging? Maybe it's in your friendships and that's great. Maybe it's in your activities, wonderful. Maybe it's in your family, Family is important. Maybe it's in your ministry, or maybe you're still looking and trying to determine where you belong. Well, I wanna tell you this morning, wherever you might find yourself, wherever you might be in your faith and wherever you might be in your life, I pray and I hope that you'll always remember you belong first to God. That you belong first to the one who called you by name, who knows every hair on your head, who will never abandon you, leave you, nor forsake you. See, he's even calling you now. For God (laughs) has a purpose. I didn't plan that one out. God has a purpose. God has a plan for you. May we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. May we pray. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise that you do call us, that you do desire us, that while we were still a long way off, you ran to us to embrace us. Gracious Lord, we give you thanks and praise that we don't have to be perfect or don't have to have all the answers, but that you still call to us, desiring to use us, that we be fruitful and multiply. Gracious Lord, we thank you for this day, the opportunity to be together in fellowship and in your presence. We praise you for the person on our left and in our right, those in front and behind, the stranger we have yet to meet. May we seek you and to share your glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I wanna invite you to stand as we join together in our Hymn of dedication, Blessed Assurance, Hymn 369.
1: I invite you to take a
0: moment and reach out and take a hand to someone near you. Brian, uh, suck? Is that what you said, suck? Really? That's, suck? F-
3: that's uh, Russian for. Ru- yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> suck. Okay. My mother always told me if you're going to cross the street to do two things hold someone's hand and look both ways. <laughs> so I'm going to be asking you this week in the midst of life. Be sure you're holding someone's hand. Look both ways and cross the street safely, okay? Whatever you're facing. We receive now the choral blessing and the benediction.
1: God be
0: In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, go in peace and in peace, bless the world. Amen. Amen.